This is thatsinthebible.com. That's in the Bible, episode number 81, Who is God? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is that stay. Humbling your hearts to God, saves from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, welcome to That's in the Bible. You've tuned into episode number 81. Today we're covering Who is God? Glad you could join us. Again, this program all about what's in the Bible. Some things that, as we've mentioned before, that you probably even realize were in the Bible. And so we'll be taking a look at some of those things today. But uh, I'm joined by three other folks here today, so we've got our full house. Now, we're going to start with Pastor Strobel in Lockport, New York. Pastor Strobel, how are you? Doing very well. Safe and secure. Amen. How are things in sunny Lockport, New York? (laughs) Sometimes sunny, sometimes not, but... Things are well, keeping us uh, busy with the, the Lord's work and uh, everything else in life right now. Amen. Also joining us, Pastor Stephen Bear, and uh, his church is in Buffalo, New York. Steve, how are you today? Doing well, doing well. Nice Thanks to for asking. Nice to chat with you again. I know we, we yeah. need to need to talk to you more often than just doing this podcast. I have to check in yeah, with you man. more. And also, yeah, I, get, I get lonely up here, you know. Yeah, in the snow belt, right? Yes, absolutely. Snow all year round. <laughs> <laughs> That's what people think, anyway. <laughs> You're not working for the Chamber of Commerce in Buffalo, apparently. <laughs> Might get a few phone calls on that. Listen, if I could interject, uh, when I got to church for visitation Saturday morning, I look over to the left in the building next door, and they have a roof kind of that kind of comes flat flattish and then a couple different angles going down and on the side of it there was snow yep yeah it's just when you think it's just when you think it's gone you get some snow coming through and speaking of snow our missionary (laughs) on the scene in the uh north slope of the arctic in alaska matthew how are you Doing good, doing good. Yeah, it's a little, uh, we still have a huge amount of snow on the ground, huge snow drifts everywhere. In front of our house, we still have a, uh, probably about nine feet now, about nine feet, uh, nine foot snow drift uh, by our door and all that. So wow. we still have a good amount of snow. What We did get some freezing rain the last few days, which has really made it a pleasure to walk around. I've fallen five times already. <laughs> <laughs> we have an ice rink. It takes us... Um, weeks and weeks to get that thing prepared we put water i mean the water plant you know workers come over and they say you guys got a leak somewhere you know <laughs> we're putting all gallons hundreds of gallons of water on this rink and we can't get it to freeze but then you know we just get a little freezing rain and we got you know a rink all over the town so <laughs> that's a little frustrating but uh so but ba- doing well doing real good here basically you're using all the fresh water up there at point hope <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for, <laughs> using all the water. Actually, to be, to, and to be honest with you, too, I guess, um, so they have a, a fresh water lake here that uh, we use to pull that water from. They, they, I guess they pump it out once a year, 
and uh, and then they've got a huge tank here that they're able to keep it in and filter it and all that. But I guess the last few years they've really noticed a huge change in regards to that that freshwater lake is really dwindling down. So they're going to be spending, I guess, a whole lot of money this summer trying to find a new freshwater place. So if mm. not, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have to ship in water, which would be just crazy amount of money. So we'll see. So, is so it, we might not be able to do the rink next year. I was going to say, is there any correlation between you using the uh, water for the rink in the last <laughs> few years to, <laughs> to the lack of fresh water for the poor people to drink? I know they might put two and two together and say, oh, it's the Baptist church. There's <laughs> something, something wrong here. Well, glad you could join us in. Just in case, uh, you know, you, there's no way you would know, but this is April 29th as we record this, April 29th, uh, 2019. So to have still a lot of snow, you, you've got to be up there pretty far north. Yeah, and it's just starting to get a little slushy now. So hopefully, uh, then, then we get into the muddy season. We, we have a couple weeks of actually, you know, dry ground and nice summer weather. And summer weather out here is about... 50 60 degrees so for us that's really warm so you guys are all looking in, forward to that all in shorts and t-shirts during that time probably yeah oh they're probably in shorts and t-shirts when it gets into the upper 30s right <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah all the kids they, and they call them yep. shortcuts they're not shorts they're shortcuts mm-hmm. so you have to you have to make sure or they get upset with you the kids do <laughs> if you don't call it the right term so yeah so they're they're already starting to come out with their shortcuts now yeah, it's like, you know, when I moved uh, to the um, Finger Lakes here into Binghamton, this part of the state, everybody calls pop soda. And oh, you yeah. know, in Lockport and I think Buffalo, it's, it's called pop. So it's like, it, but they get upset if you, what's pop? What are you talking about? They get it, they get it, they get upset if you say that. They like it to be termed soda, but I would never do it. Just, just being difficult, I guess. <laughs> Down south, they call everything Coke. And no matter what it is? No matter what it is. Hmm. Well, we're on the subject in New Zealand. Um, this, won't be for the, <laughs> this won't be for the drink, but uh, their dessert, everything is called pudding. Huh. So, well, yeah. Really? Oh, well. Yeah. Do you like pretty much that? everything you drink is called tea. So you're going to have, after the service, you're going to have fellowship. It's going to tea and pudding. That's pretty wild. <laughs> Have you been to New Zealand? I have, yes. Uh, oh. Back in 2016, I had the opportunity to visit uh, Brother Jeff Williams and some uh, other, uh, who was a missionary there, and some other uh, native New Zealand works, along with another missionary that was there as well. And is it uh, as beautiful as it looks in all the pictures? It, it really is. Um, it's quite, quite the place. After... Uh, one of after I'd preached the missions conference at his church and then preached at another church, we had a little time between the next meeting, and he took my wife and I and and his wife and and him, um, and their and one of his uh, daughters. We went down. We're on the South Island Island where he was, and then we went to the south part of the South Island, and uh, to a couple of places. One was called Fiordland, and just uh, amazing. Even approaching the place there, just the sights. It was a rainy day and. You have a lot of mountain, mountain sort of mountainous, rocky type of uh, terrain, and just rivulets of water going down and, and waterfalls, just as you approach the whole place. And then when you get to Fjordland itself and go out on a boat in there, that was just pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Queenstown, we went to, 
another place it's more of a resort area but just beautiful and brother williams if you guys would like to pray for a missionary is right now uh planting a new work in uh queenstown and you can pray for him as they get the things going their first service is actually coming up on um mother's day which is may the i'm thinking the 11th but let me just see if i can confirm that for you the 12th may the 12th they've done a some mid a couple midweek services en route to that main first uh sunday morning or sunday uh, church service awesome um <clears throat> and so over here in the uh in the finger lakes region in new york state we um yesterday we had a uh, missionary come through his name is uh matt welch and he's in Bulgaria and Romania. You, you, have you heard of him? I did. I actually went to school with him. And I preached on the street with him. All in right. Florida. So he yep. was, I, I know Pastor Varner, I think, knows from uh, school as well. And boy, what a work they have going. You know, he's been there, right, I think, 27 years or something close to that. Um, and the fact that they are um, witnessing and they have a huge Muslim, you know, conversion in um, Bulgaria, Romania, and in parts of Turkey. It's pretty cool. So we got to meet him, and we got to hear about his work, and uh, that was good. And then we, we, my wife and I, were heading out to um, the south. We're going to go to, of all places, Sutton, West Virginia. <laughs> John D. Sutton, my great 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 grandfather, founded the town, and uh, I don't want any special treatment when I get there, and I'm sure I won't get any. <laughs> yeah, you might be careful. West Virginia isn't it like Hatfield McCoy yeah. territory? <laughs> so we're going to be uh, heading through West Virginia, and uh, again, a shout out to Greg Angel. Greg, we do have that Bible coming for you eventually. What happened was I got, I was supposed to drop it off to Pastor Strobel and I got sick for like two weeks, got better and I was able to drop it off then. But in the meantime, I had a, uh, I broke a tooth actually, uh, one of the roots in the tooth broke and it got infected and there's nothing like a infected tooth to, mm. to stop you from eating anything. So I'm on antibiotics right now. I'm on a little amoxicillin, which is great. And then I have to get that pulled and some other work done as soon as I get back. <clears throat> so something to look forward to. Mm. But as you... Sounds exciting. Yeah, as you, as you start to age, boy, you, these, these things creep up on you, you know. The, and uh, I wish I'd kept better track of my teeth when I was younger. <laughs> Amen to that. It's a, it's a lesson, lesson to you kids out there. <laughs> That's right. So that's the story here. Um, and also Brother Joel, who had joined us for the last couple of podcasts and presented God or Goo on episode number 80, which was a three-part um, series that he's doing. And ultimately, it's uh, really taking a look at um, our past in re regards to evolution versus creation. He is going to be back, and he's going to present parts two and three, but he couldn't make it this time. Um, it just he was traveling, and so he wasn't able to to be here to part two, but part his part two will be coming up real soon. So just want to let everyone know. And Matt, you're presenting today, Who is God? Yes. Looking forward to that. Anything else that we need to talk about before we we head that way? 
Somebody's calling in. We're taking a call right now. For, <laughs> somebody apparently has a request. I don't know if it's a prayer request or. Uh, are you going to answer that, Matt? Oh. Yeah, hold on. Go ahead. Sorry. So Matt's answering Hello? the calls here at That's in the Bible. <laughs> if you'd like to call in, the phone number is 716 584 1611. Yes. We're taking him live phone calls right now. And we'll find out what, what that's all about here shortly as he presents the lesson on who is God. Steve, what else can you tell us? Uh, well, I was on assignment. That's right. How did the assignment go? I forgot to ask. Oh, it went, it went well. Uh, I'm thankful that uh, the, the crew was all, allowed me to go on that assignment and go down to uh, Fredonia and uh, hear Brother Sam Gipp preach. And uh, I've, I've known Brother Sam for many, many years, back in the early 80s. And uh, he's, of course, a graduate of Pensacola Bible Institute uh, oh, before yeah, I true. went there. And uh, he, uh, you know, he uh, uh, oh, no problem. has a theme that he, that he likes to, to do time. from time to time. And I think Pastor Strobel will maybe confirm this because uh, he's probably heard it many times as well. But he likes to, to preach about reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has different ways, different messages to be able to bring that point across. And of course we heard that and, uh, it's always refreshing. He has a, a, a different sense of humor, uh, that I just really identify with and I enjoy. And, uh, then just having a chance to talk with him for, for a, a little bit, you know, and just catch up and, and just, uh, have some laughs and, and some fellowship was really enjoyable. So had a good time with he and, and brother Burke, uh, as he hosted, uh, brother Sam, they are down in Fredonia, so it was a real, real blessing. Sounds good. Now, were you able to lock him in for a uh, episode on the show? Uh, you know, <laughs> I have, I have uh, withheld that because I got a stare down from his wife one time, <laughs> thinking that you know that to put anything more on his plate. I mean, he's he's probably in the midst of writing about five books. Yep. Uh, you know, he's in constant pain all the time. Uh, he flies back and forth, uh, teaches in a, in an Institute in Idaho. Uh, he preaches all over the country, uh, for me to add one more thing to his, his list would be kind of like, uh, really? Mm. <laughs> so I just kind of let it, let it slide and just, uh, enjoy, uh, having a chance to see him and talk with him and, and, uh, hear him preach. All right. That's, that's good. Let's see if Pastor Strobel had any better success. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually did get to get out there the following night on a Tuesday night and hear him and just uh, had a great service, enjoyed the preaching. He's always got something. One thing about Brother Gip is, you know, there's some preachers you listen to and they preach for 20 minutes and it seems like an hour and a half. Brother Gip preaches for an hour and a half and it seems like 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you, you're not bored. Nope. Uh, you are engaged. And, and there's lots of humor interspersed with it, which is, which is a blessing, a merry heart with good like a medicine, but there's always substance to it. Mm-hmm. And, and you always come away with something. And again, yeah. you, you know what you come away with. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that in preaching. I think that, you know, as a preacher, we should try to give people something. Um, some, I remember hearing a story. I think it might've been one Dr. Ruckman told about. Uh, a preacher preached, and afterwards, a lady said, um, "Your your 
preaching reminded me of Genesis chapter one. And the guy said, oh, because it was so deep. And she said, no, because it was without form and void. (laughs) (laughs) I I have sat through messages like this, but but never any of Brother Gibbs. And Mm. and, uh, he is a blessing. Let me just say this too, talking about the teaching of the Bible Institute. He is actually now uh, running that Bible Institute in uh, Idaho. And so, um, you know, he's, he does have a full plate and, um, he's just happy, uh, for everything the Lord's got him doing and he's uh, serving him with joy and, and somebody definitely, if you want to pray for somebody that's serving the Lord, uh, he's a good man to pray for. Amen. He, he needs your prayers. Uh, he has said, I've heard him say a number of times that, uh, they are addicted, uh, to, uh, the prayers of God's people. Amen. Amen. Uh, Amen. Well, I guess we'll have to start a write-in campaign then to get Sam, <laughs> Sam get on here for a few minutes. <laughs> All right. So, Matt, did, are you done taking phone calls? I am. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. It's all right. And we like to take yeah, them. Unfortunately, we had uh, we had a couple um, people pass away. So, just in the past few days, and one of them, um, a lot of our kids that come to Sunday school, it was their great grandpa, and then another one, one of our teenage girls, it was her grandmother. So it's been pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. And, I, and just to let the folks know you're in the church, so the phone could ring there. Right. All right. Well, let's... well I, did stick the phone, I did stick the phone out the door, so <laughs> we should be good now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe somebody passing by will pick it up and well, answer. I must say that Eric handled that seamlessly. I yes. mean, you know, just to, to, Take off on that thing when it happened. I thought you were doing it, you know, with one of your little computer things where you actually were dubbing in a call. I really I thought it was you instead of it coming from, from where uh, Matt was. So yeah, yep, me too. I thought it was a soundbite. I'm not that quick. Yep, I'm not that quick. <laughs> you you handled that pretty quickly. <laughs> oh boy. So Matt, are you ready to bring us the lesson? I'm ready. All right, and don't don't worry about the phone. It's the, that's those are important calls. You should answer them. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, here we go We're with uh, li- this is live, folks. So I'm not going to edit this out. It is what it is. It's all part of the show. So here we go with uh, lesson number eighty-one. Who is God? Well, we're not going to go with it yet until I hit the sound effect. Here we go. Amen. Well, before we get started here, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the time we're able to do this podcast, Lord, and for all these guys taking time out of their busy days, Lord, to be able to record this and just have a great deal of fun together and uh, just lighthearted and uh, Lord, but also uh, serious matters here as well in regards to uh, who God is and who is God and and uh, anything in regards to the Bible. Uh, yeah, we can have fun with it, but it is serious, Lord. So I just pray that you'd help us, Lord, right now to be able to, um, Lord, really um, get to understand uh, who God is, who you are. Lord, again, if there's anybody that's listening right now and they're maybe on the fence, they don't really know exactly who you are or who God is, uh, this might be a help to them. And maybe for those of us that uh, do try and witness and <clears throat> tell other people about you that We'd be able to maybe learn some verses that would be able to be a blessing. But either way, Lord, I pray that you'd uh, help each and every one of us, everyone that's listening. Lord, I pray you'd bless them. 
And Lord, just help us to get closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll open up your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. I think this is one of the best places to start right now. And, um, you know, Joel's been going over a great series. He's on part one. If you haven't checked that out already, again, it's God or, uh, or Goo. And this was the last episode before this one. And um, so I'm not going to go over the basics of, you know, does God exist and what's the proof of God and things like that. Um, he's kind of going over uh, that. So you can tune into that when he records the next couple as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to kind of go from the basis of if you're listening right now, uh, most likely, uh, and most people in the world uh, are not atheists. Most people in the world uh, have some kind of a religion or believe in some kind of higher power, higher being, um, you know, whether they call that God or not. Uh, you know, if you're listening, most likely you believe in the spiritual realm. And so we're going to go from that context that you believe there is a God or at least uh, an all powerful being. And uh, then we're going to go from there. So here in Genesis chapter one and verse one, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, most people listening to this probably would not have a problem with that verse. And most people that are spiritual most likely would not have a problem with that verse. Now, there might be some that, of course, you know, they believe in theistic evolution. Um, and again, we have an episode on that as well as the theistic evolution uh, biblical. Um, so if you're wondering about that, did God create, you know, just kind of start the big bang and then just kind of take his hands off everything and, and just allow, you know, evolution to take place. Uh, we've got an episode on that. And, but, but most people I think would agree with this verse in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So most people that are listening wouldn't have a problem with that. But, but when we go from that verse on, that's when I think people start to stray off on different beliefs. Uh, from this verse, many will say they don't really know who God is. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But from that moment on, I, you know, it kind of goes off into different strands. And some people will say, well, we can't really know who he is. Uh, we can't know, even know God, who God is until we die. And so that's what a lot of people would probably say. But what does the word of God say on this matter? Let's go to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. And if you are listening right now and you say, you know, I'm spiritual, I believe in the spiritual realm, I believe in God, or I believe in some higher being, uh, I hope you'll stick around and just, just listen to this whole entire study. It won't be long, and um, I don't have, you know, pages and pages of notes like I usually do. So, so, Lord willing, this won't be long, but I think it's very, very important. And if you've ever wondered, who is God? Can we know who God is? Can we really know what he's like? Um, by God's grace, we're going to look at that. So here in Isaiah 46, verse 9, in Isaiah 46, verse 9, the Bible says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. So God says, there's nobody else other than me. I am the only God. Now look at verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. So what God says here is that he has created a book, in, in, um, and he has his fingerprints all over this book. So if you think about it this way, if you believe that there is a God, then there is going to be something that he's left. If, if he's a loving God, and if he's a righteous God, and a, and a holy God, 
he's going to leave us something behind that we can search him out and find out who he really is. And so what God says here is that he's left his fingerprints in this book, in this Bible. And one of those sets of fingerprints is prophecy. And you say, well, what's prophecy? Well, prophecy is knowing exactly what will take place in the future and having it down in this book. Uh, It would be like uh, me saying, listen, I know history, but in advance. I know it before it even takes place. And it has to be hundreds and hundreds of years before it takes place. Look at me to Micah chapter five. We're not going to go through a whole lot of this. But if you look in uh, Micah, And Micah chapter 5, because I believe we have to start with a foundation. If you don't believe that the Bible was written by God, uh, put here by God, uh, you know, given by inspiration of God, and holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, if you don't believe that, then you're not going to know who God is. So you have to start with a, a starting point here. And in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible says, But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So uh, God says right here, and this is a great prophecy of Jesus Christ. He says right here, Bethlehem, Ephrata. So God's talking about Bethlehem here, a place in this world, okay? And then he says, this person that's going to be coming at the very end here, it says, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. The only person that's been from everlasting is God. And so this is a great prophecy of Jesus Christ. Now, this was written in 724 BC, okay, somewhere around there. So that was almost a thousand years before Christ was born on this earth. And it said that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. God from everlasting was going to be born in Bethlehem. Now look at me to Matthew chapter two, Matthew chapter two. I want to submit to you that we have a book that was given by inspiration of God. And you know how people say, well, just man wrote this book or man copied this book or um, you know, man, man got into this book and just, you know, it's good literature and all that, but it was just written by man. Uh, that couldn't be further from the truth. There's no way that mankind can prophesy in regards to hundreds, even thousands of years before it takes place. And then it takes place, uh, those thousands of years later. And this is what's taken place. You're looking Matthew chapter two, verse one. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, The king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For you have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. They knew exactly where to look. They knew that it was going to be in Bethlehem because of Micah chapter 5, verse 2, written almost a thousand years before he was born. And it came to pass exactly uh, like it was uh, written down. Look at me to Psalm chapter 22. You know, people ask me all the time, how can you really know that God has left us a book. How can you really know that that Bible is God's book? I mean, we have the Quran, we have all these other religious writings. How can you know which one is the word of God? Well, God already told us in Isaiah 46, we looked at that verse, that uh, his fingerprints is shown in prophecy. No other religious writing will even attempt to do prophecy, but the Bible does. And that shows you that it was written 
by God. So uh, Psalm chapter 22, look at verse 16. Psalm twenty-two, sixteen. 16, if you actually look at this whole chapter, it's all about the crucifixion, prophecy of the crucifixion of Christ. But we'll just look at Psalm 22, verse 16. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. Now that was written about 1024 BC before Christ. Over a thousand years before Christ was born, uh, it says right here that his hands and his feet would be pierced. And we, of course, know what, what that was. That was Christ dying on the cross. And uh, crucifixions didn't start until the Romans. And so <clears throat> to be able to just prophesy that that's how he, the Savior, was going to be crucified, it could only be God. Look with me to uh, verse 18. Here in Psalm 22, verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. That's exactly what took place. You say, well, they just, they just did that because they knew it was in prophecy. And listen. The Romans didn't want anything to come true. They, they hated the Jews. They hated Jesus Christ. And um, they even said, put a guard about whenever he died and was buried. They said, put a guard about the tomb. Make sure nobody, especially disciples, make sure they don't come and take away his body because we don't want them to think that he rose from the dead like, that, like the prophecy said. Okay, So the Romans were making sure they did not fulfill any prophecy that was written in the Old Testament. But still it took place. And they had a part in it. And that shows you that it was God. Look at uh, Psalm 34. This is one last one of prophecy we'll look at. Psalm 34 and uh, verse 20. Psalm 34, 20. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. And that's exactly what takes place in the New Testament. John chapter 19, verse 36. They saw he was already dead. They didn't have to break his bones so that he would die. He was already dead. He gave up the ghost. He, he himself laid down his life. And again, he says he's going to take it up again. And he did. And so uh, how do you know that the Bible was written by God? His fingerprints are all over it. And it's through prophecy. The other thing that we see, too, is look at Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Now, if you want more on prophecy, um, we have the episode... 39 you can look at prophecy secures our future that's episode 39 goes over more prophecy that took place and and again how you can know that that uh, it's written by god now we're going to look at a little bit of the science we'll just look at two things look at isaiah chapter 40 look at verse 22 bible says it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth so god says right here now i know there's some people that even today, believe in a flat earth, okay? I can't comprehend that, okay? But God says here, it is he, that's God, that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, all right? So God said here at 714 BC, okay, that the earth was circular. Now, uh, before the 1500s, okay, 1500s AD, they didn't know, they thought that the world was flat. They even said anybody that was going to sail, try and sail, you know, around or go too far on the earth, they said, you're going to fall right off the edge of the earth. That's crazy. Don't do it. And uh, they didn't they didn't find out that the earth was round or circular until the 1500s when Magellan sailed around the earth. And so that shows you that this Bible right here was over 2000 years ahead of science, over 2000 years. How could they know that? How could they get that right every single time? All the prophecy, all the science, because there is 
at least over 40 specific prophecies on Christ that were written in the Old Testament that came true, at least 40. There is so much science in the Bible that uh, that all is true, and even some that the scientists haven't even found out yet. Look at me to Job chapter 26. Only God could have put this science. No, Nobody on this earth could have said uh, over 2,000 years ahead of time, say, well, everybody believes it's flat, but we know it's round. No, nobody could have done that unless God told them to put that in there. Because, of course, God's the one that created it. Look at uh, Job 26. Look at verse 7. Job 26, 7. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Now, I know it sounds ridiculous nowadays, but, you know, they used to think that the earth was on the back of a turtle. <laughs> uh, they used to think that Atlas, if you've ever seen, you know, that guy holding up the, um, the, the world, the earth, uh, they used to think that this guy called Atlas was holding up the earth. They had no idea because it wasn't like they could take satellites or anything like that and look back at the earth to see what was holding it up in the universe. But God here, the oldest book of the Bible, okay, uh, written around 1700 BC, uh, it says right here that he hangeth it upon nothing. And so we didn't find that out until we were able to put satellites out in, uh, out into space. And so look how thousands of years before uh, we even find it out that it's true, God had it written in the Bible. So we're not going to go over all the um, science either, but if you want to look at episode 12, does the Bible out science science? We did a whole episode on science in the Bible. So you say, well, why do you go over all that stuff? What, what's the point? Well, that shows you that we have this book. There's no doubt about it. And if you doubt it after that, then then you have to keep going back to that and say, how was this put in the Bible? God had to put that in the Bible. And if you say, well, it was put in after the fact, it can't be. Because the Jews have had this in their Old Testament Bible uh, from the very beginning. And they don't believe in Christ. And so if, if we as Christians put that prophecy of Christ in the Bible after the fact, they would have cried you know, foul and they would be all up in arms. But they're not because it's been in their Bible for hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, back in 714 B.C. and all that. So the bottom line is, number one, we know that God has left us a book with his fingerprints all over it. So the question is, now that we know we have a book that was written by him, given to us, can we really know what God is like? I mean, who is God? Can we really know? what he's like and who he is. Now, we've got uh, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, I don't know if too many people that are listening know about her. I know she's very, very popular. She had a TV show for a while. I, I be honest with you, I don't know what she's doing anymore. Uh, but I know she's got millions and millions of followers, okay? Now, I found out she grew up in a Baptist church. Her grandmother used to take her to a Baptist church. Now, I don't know anything about the church. I don't know if it preached the gospel, if it was any good. But uh, she used to go to a Baptist church, but then uh, the preacher got up one time and preached on that God is a jealous God, and she didn't like that. And so she got out of the Baptist church, and, and, uh, and so anyway, on this TV show, you can actually look on YouTube if you want to, and there's clips of her. Um, I don't know what the episode's called and everything, but uh, she had an episode where it was just all about religion, and she got into uh, some New Age philosophy and this is what she said on her uh, TV show on this program. She said this, 
There are many paths to what you call God. Her path, according to another lady, might be something else. And when she gets there, she may call it light. If her loving kindness and generosity bring her to the same point, it doesn't matter if she calls it God or not. So what Oprah Winfrey is doing here is she is pointing out that uh, you can call it God, that, that force, that energy or spiritual realm, that spiritual being. You can call it God or you can call it light or you can call it whatever you want. You, and what she's trying to say is, for the most part, we don't really know who he is, what's his name, what he's like. And another person that's very big in the New Age uh, movement right now, he said this. He said, either you live your own mythology or you're being lived by someone else's. New age is what happens when people break out of group hypnosis and decide to re-engineer their own. So what he's saying is you either believe the Bible, and that was just created by somebody, a mythology created by somebody, or you break out of that mold of believing the Bible and the one true God, and you re-engineer one in your own mind to have your own God. And so you see where, you know, that could be really, for a lot of people, that could be inviting. That could be very inviting for people to say, hey, listen, I don't like this about the God of the Bible. I don't like this about the God of the Bible. And so you can re-engineer and retool the God that you want and that you feel comfortable with. And you can make your God a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more open-minded. Look at me in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And in Matthew chapter 7, look with me in verse 13. A lot of people don't like this passage here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, this is Christ talking, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh. He says this in Matthew 7, 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, I can understand why people would say, listen, I like the idea of not having a narrow-minded God. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd rather have a God that says, well, whatever way you think you can get to your God and get to heaven your own way, we'll all get to heaven through different ways, and we'll meet up there in heaven. But you can have your beliefs, I'll have my beliefs, they'll have their own beliefs, and Whatever makes or feels good to them or feels right to them, then that's okay. And so that's why a lot of times people will not go by the Bible to find out who God is because it just feels better for them, more inviting. Well, look with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. When you have this kind of new age belief system in regards to... Um, you know, making your own God or making him how you want him to be. Um, there's really no one set of beliefs. If somebody believes this over here, well, who are you to judge? I mean, maybe that's how God is. Maybe God, their God's okay with it, but my God's not. And, and so you kind of run into a, an issue like that. And, but for them, it's not an issue because they all believe all paths are going to lead to heaven. And first uh, Timothy chapter two, verse five, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 
So again, it's the Bible is very narrow-minded. The, the Bible is very straight and, and narrow, and it's cut right to the heart where you know exactly what God says, what he believes on certain matters. Now, again, with uh, regards to kind of re-engineering your own God in your mind, it's almost like going to a buffet. All right. I love buffets. I don't know about anybody else, but I love being able to go and just have a huge spread of, you know, you got salads with all the different toppings you would want to put on them. You've got, you could have a steak or you could have fried chicken or you can have macaroni and cheese or, you know, Chinese food over here. You could just, you could say, well, okay, I want a steak, but I don't want chicken. So you put the steak on your plate, but you pass the chicken and then you go to, uh, you want some corn. So you put some corn on your plate but you don't want, uh, you know, peas. So you leave the peas over there. You want some uh, rice, but you don't want fried rice. So you get the white rice and you leave the fried rice. And so that's what a lot of times people will do when they re-engineer their own God in their mind. They'll say, well, I like this in the Bible, that God is love. So I'm going to take that and put that on my plate. But then, you know, I don't like the fact that God says he will send the wicked into hell and those that don't receive him as their savior. And so I'm going to leave that and I'm not going to put that on my plate. And so that's how they go in regards to what they're going to believe in this world. They'll say, well, this sounds good, but this doesn't. So I'm going to leave that there, but I'll take this. And they incorporate different areas and even of different religions into what they believe. Now look at me to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah 43. Now, again, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, and I hope you have seen that as well, that we can know that God wrote this book. No doubt about it. God wrote this book. Now, look at Isaiah chapter 43, verse 5. So can we know who God is? Who is God? Well, look at Isaiah chapter 43. Look at verse 5. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even everyone that is called by my name. For I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So God's saying here, listen, I am a personal God. I created you, not just to go off on your own. I created you for my glory. I have created you for me. Now look at verse 8. Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring forth their witnesses that they may be justified or let them hear and say it is truth. You're my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me. God says, listen, I want you to know me. Not that, you know, well, you'll find out who I am when you get to heaven one day or when you die one day. You'll, then you'll finally get to know me. No, he says, I created you, formed you, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me, there is no Savior. Uh, God's very plain, and he says, listen, I want you to know me, and I want you to believe me that I am God. He wants you to know who he is. Now look at me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. Again, God wrote this book. We saw that. And he says, I've created you and I want you to know me. He, he wants you to know him. It's not like, well, you know, 
I don't want you to know too much about me, so I'm not going to tell you who I am, but I created you. That, that's not how God is. In Exodus chapter 20, look at verse 1. Now, of course, this is the Ten Commandments that God gives, specific rules. And Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and of the house of bondage. So if you want to know who God is, he is the one that took out Israel from Egypt. Look at verse 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's very important. God says, listen, I, I, I don't want you to create any other God or believe in any other God. I am the only God. You, you shouldn't have any others be, beside me. Look at verse 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Again, there's that passage that Oprah Winfrey just did not like. But God says, I don't want you to have any other gods. I don't, I don't want you to re-engineer any kind of a God in your mind. And so God says in verse 7 that, that God created all. Verse 7 there, uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. I'm sorry, that was back in Isaiah 43. But here in Exodus chapter 20, he says that, look at verse 1, and God spake all these words. So God's speaking here in the Bible. And verse 2, he says, I'm the one that brought up the Jews out of Egypt. That's how you know who I am. And then in verses 3 and 4, you find out in you have the first commandment and the second commandment. Have no other gods beside me and don't make any graven images. Now, look at me to Leviticus chapter 19. God says there that graven images, uh, of course, can encompass those things that you create. Um, if you, many times you look at different churches, you find out that they have statues and, and things like that that they bow down to and they worship God in that way. And God says, that's against my commandments. So Leviticus chapter 19, those are some graven images there that are, of course, engraven in stone or wood or whatever. And uh, look what, what God calls those here. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. So again, we get to know some things about God. He's holy, and he wants us to be holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. So, you know, God actually calls these graven images idols as well. Look at Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26. And look at verse 1. Leviticus chapter 26. Verse 1, the Bible says this, Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, Neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. So God says, no, don't make any idols. These graven images and these things that you're making, don't make any of these idols. Don't bow yourselves down to them. Uh, again, the first commandment, you should have no other gods beside me, and thou shalt not make any of these graven images, these idols. Now you say, well, I mean, I'm not making any statues. I'm not carving out anything and, and bowing down to them and things like that. But look at me at Ezekiel chapter 14. Ezekiel chapter 14. There's something that a lot of people in this world right now on the earth that are doing. 
uh, Ezekiel chapter 14. He said, you shall have no idols, not make any, any idols, and, and you're forming those with your hands. But here in Ezekiel chapter 14, God actually says an idol can be uh, in your heart as well. Look at Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 1. Then came certain of the elders of Israel unto me. So this is Ezekiel talking and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, son of man, these men have set up their idols in their heart. So this is, this is idols. Okay. This is an idol that's not graven with a man's hands that you can look at and see, but this is an idol now that you can create in your heart. You can fashion in your heart. And it goes on here in verse uh, three. And put the stumbling block of their iniquity before their face, should I be inquired at all uh, by them. Therefore speak unto them, and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart, and put the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face, and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitudes, multitude of his idols, that I might take the house of Israel in their own heart, because they are all estranged from me through their idols. So a lot of times when we think of idols and we think of the second commandment, not make any graven image, you know, and the first commandment, thou shalt have no other gods before me, beside me. Um, a lot of times we think of these graven images and things, but God's actually talking about, you can have idols in your heart where you start fashioning God to be like the God you want him to be. So again, if you don't like hell, you take hell out of there. God's not a God that, you know, is a, a consuming fire and, and he hasn't created hell. And what you're doing when you're doing that, and you're just picking and choosing, what you're doing when you're doing that is you're breaking a, a combination of the first and second commandment. You're creating another God. You're creating an idol in your heart. And because it feels good or just, I, you know, whenever somebody says, I just believe or I just think my God's like this, I just, I, I don't see how he could do this. And, and when you start doing it, it's all about you and it's all about your heart and how you feel. Uh, then you get into real dangerous territory because you're fashioning an idol in your heart and creating another God in your heart. Look at me to Psalm 81. And so when people say we can't know who God is, well, listen, we have the Bible. We've already showed that it is the very words of God and he's a personal God. He's created us. He's formed us for his glory that we may know him. He says, I want you to know me and believe me. And he, and he specifically put this Bible here for us to be holy and to know how to be right with him. And, and, uh, and so he has proven that we can know who he is. And he says, I don't want you to fashion, you know, a God different than me. So he's given us specific things of who he is and what he's like. And here in Psalm 81, Psalm 81, verse 10, the Bible says this, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. So again, God's speaking to the Israelites here, and he says, I am the Lord thy God. All right, you can know who I am. Verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would not of me. So I gave them up unto their own heart's lust. Again, there's the idols in the heart. And they walked in their own counsels. Well, I just believe God's like this. I just believe God would, uh, would appreciate me walking my own way like this. I don't believe he's narrow-minded. And they're going against, they're going with their own counsels, the own, their own idols that they've created in their heart. Verse 13, oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. God has specific things he's written to us in this book. That you can know him, know what he likes, know what he desires and, and commands of us. 
And many people in this world will say, well, it's just, I don't believe that God wrote that book and I don't believe God would be that way. So I'm going to go and hearken unto my own counsels, my own heart, how I feel. And God says that's been going on from the very beginning, from the very beginning. And it's wrong. Look at John chapter four. You say, but I'm not a Jew. I mean, these are all written to the Israelites. Uh, you know, why, why do I have to go to a Jewish book, which this is? Uh, every single New Testament book was written by a Jew. Jesus Christ was a Jew. You, you look at all this. Um, this is a Jewish book. Look what it says here in John chapter four. You say, well, why do I have to, why do I have to follow this God that, uh, that was first really shown to us by the Jews? Well, look at John chapter four, look at verse 22, John four twenty-two. you worship, you, you know, not what that's pretty good, isn't it? There's a lot of people that are worshiping a lot of different things of what they believe is God or who they believe is God. But God says right here, ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Listen, you want to get saved? You better find that Jewish Messiah. You better find the Lord Jesus Christ, the God of this Bible, the God of the Jews. Look at verse 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. God says, yeah, you can worship in spirit, but there has to be truth involved in it. And John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, the word of God. For the father seeketh such to worship him. Look at verse 24. God is spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't just go by what feels good or feels right or what other people say. You have to go by what's the truth. Look at Romans chapter three. Romans chapter three. And in Romans chapter three, look at verse one. What advantage then hath the Jew or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. The oracles of God is the words of God. Acts 7, 38, Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, Hebrews 4, 12, 1 Peter 4, 11. The oracles of God are the words of God, the Bible. So you say, well, what advantage then had the Jews? Well, it's because the, we get the, the words of God from the Jews. Look at verse three. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Listen, if you want to know who God is, what he expects of us, be right with him, be able to go to heaven and not to hell uh, and know what he's like, you better go to this Jewish book, which is the Bible. You want to know how to get to heaven? Uh, salvation is of the Jews. You better find that Jewish Messiah, Lord Jesus Christ, and receive him as your savior. You know, uh, author Mark Twain, he, of course, wrote a whole lot of books, but he wrote uh, Huckleberry Finn, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, which I read The Adventures of Tom Sawyer uh, when I was in school. Uh, but he made a tour, um, of course, when he was alive through Europe, where he was, uh, he was he was honored by all these great universities and kings and everything. And his daughter went with him many of the times. And, you know, she said to her dad, Daddy, I guess pretty soon you will know everybody except God. And, you know, that's a pretty profound statement. You know, it doesn't matter how many people you know or how many people know you. All that matters is it's and you know the saying, it doesn't matter um, how many you know, it's who you know. And that's the truth in regards to the spiritual matters as well. And in regards to eternity, uh, do you know God? Do you know him personally? Do you know him as your savior? And he is a personal God. He's created you for his pleasure, for his honor. You know, Mark Twain also said this. 
He said, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that scare me. It's the things in there that I do understand. And uh, I don't know. I never heard anything about if he ever did get saved or anything like that. But that's a profound statement, too, by Mark Twain. Look at me to um, Genesis chapter one here again. We're about done. Genesis chapter one. So I submit to you that God Almighty left us this book, no doubt about it. And he's created it and he's left it here for us that we can know who he is. He didn't just create us so that we could just walk around and do our own thing. He created us for him and he wants us to know him personally. He wants us to obey him in all the things that he's put in here for us to do and to know what he likes, what he doesn't like. And uh, the, the issue is, is that most people just don't like the rules. They want to live their own way. And in, in uh, Genesis chapter one, verse one, the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now look at me to John chapter one, John chapter one. You say, well, I believe that. I believe that God created everything, you know, uh, and that's good. I hope you do. But this is where a lot of people have a disconnect here, I think, in regards to who that was that was created everything. Look at John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, capital W, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So uh, the word here is God. Look at verse two. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. So this word was in Genesis chapter one, verse one. Okay. He was with God and he was God and he created all things there in Genesis chapter one. Look at verse 14 here in John one, verse 14. The Bible says, and the word, which is God, we just saw that was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So the word that is God was made flesh and dwelt among them, and they were able to get to know God even better. Look at verse 15. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now remember that in verse 15. This word is exactly what John just said there. Look at verse 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me, Come with a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And not only is he manifest to Israel, but let me just say this, he's manifest to us as well. The Savior, uh, the Word, that is God, that created everything, that created you for his glory, created you that you may know him. Uh, he has come down upon this earth, taken human flesh, to die on that cross for your sins, to be buried, to rise again so that you can have forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven by receiving him as your savior. Uh, he came down so that you can know him and he was not just manifested to Israel, but when Israel rejected him, then Paul says, now lo, I turn to the Gentiles that they may receive him and to get Israel to be jealous and eventually they'll receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their true savior. And uh, you said, well, how can I know who God is? Well, he just showed you right there. We can look in Acts chapter seven. We're not uh, 17. We're not going to go there. Acts 17, Paul is uh, there in Mars Hill and uh, they're, they're worshiping the unknown God. They don't know who he is, but they just know there's a spiritual being. And he said, I'm going to declare him to you. If you want to look at that at your own time, Acts 17, 
verses 16 to 31. And he talks about Jesus Christ. That is the known God that has risen from the dead. And that's who God is. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, we know who that is, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. You want to know who God is? There he is right there. And he is a trinity. He is a trinity. He's three persons in one. One God, but he has three persons. Now, you say, I don't understand that. <laughs> Join the club, all right? Uh, we have a finite mind. We can't fully understand. If we could, we'd be God, okay? But what it comes down to, and go with me on Isaiah 14, and we'll, we'll uh, close up here. Isaiah chapter 14, what it comes down to is um, we fashion idols in our hearts of what we believe God should be or what we feel that he should be like. And that is breaking the first and second commandment of God in this Bible. We have to worship God in spirit and in truth, which is the word of God. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. This is where it all originated from. Isaiah 14, 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? This is uh, Satan before he fell, right when he's about to fall. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which is weak in the nations? Why, did, why was he cut down? For thou hast said in thine heart. There's the idols. He started to get idols in his heart, just like people do today. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation of the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And that's what people, <clears throat> when they when they make up, and maybe you're listening to this right now, and you say, you know, I never really believed the God of the Bible. I never believed in Jesus Christ. It just sounds way too narrow-minded. And, and how could God be like that? Well, listen, uh, Satan thought the same thing. He, he said, listen, I, I just, my heart just doesn't feel like that's right. So I'm going to ascend and I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm not going to be under the rules of God. I'm going to make my, I'm going to be God myself and make up my own rules and how I want to want it to be. And uh, well, look what happens to Satan. We know what happens, but look at verse 15. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? And uh, Satan is destroyed. He'll be thrown in the cast in the lake of fire, we know, at the end. And uh, so will anybody else that does not receive God as their Savior, which is Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 and uh, verse 20. You say, well, if you're saved and you know for sure Jesus Christ is your Savior, you know who God is, well, praise the Lord. But the question is, knowing who God is is and being saved is, is not enough to please the Lord. Now, he's pleased that you're his child now and going to heaven, but are you spending time with him? He said, I created you for my glory, for my honor. Look at Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Listen, God's God's a personal God. And he says, listen, I'm, I'm standing at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. I want to spend time with you because I created you so we can have fellowship together. But I think too many times, too, Christians know about God and know who God is, but they don't spend time with them. 
And again, if you're listening to this right now and you don't know who God really is, or you don't think you can know, or you don't know Jesus Christ is your savior, I hope you'll go back and listen to this again. Look up the verses for yourself and truly ask God, Lord, is this the truth? Because um, the book of Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all of your heart. Don't allow idols of what you think God should be. Go with what the word of God says and then pray and say, Lord, is this the truth? And he'll show himself to you. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matthew. <clears throat> Excellent. Amen. Amen. And you know, Amen. when I hear that, the, you know, the topic you were talking about today and how we can kind of fashion people, fashion God into their own likeness, you know, uh, God's okay with this because, you know, this is, this is how I picture my God to be. Um, it's okay. easy for me to think about particularly lost people being that way, but you know, I'll speak just about myself, even as a saved person, I have to, I have to examine myself every so often, like every day <laughs> to make sure that, you know, I'm not drifting off from what the Bible has revealed to us about what, who God is and what he likes and doesn't like. And, and, um, Amen. and sometimes that's not easy to, to do, you know, cause I think sometimes I put blinders over my eyes and I, you know, I'm just not going to think about that. Um, so, it's interesting that you've brought this topic today because that's that's been on my mind too. So, what, what do you think, guys? Well, amen. Uh, Pastor Robo, you want to go, or you want me to go, or what? Oh, uh, go ahead. You sound like you're ready. Right. Fire away. <laughs> well, you know, just there's several things throughout the um, the study that you know you kind of trigger thoughts and verses come to mind, you know, you, you, you were uh, talking about who God is and, and the fact that he's a personal God. And, you know, the thing is, is that a lot of people don't really realize and understand because they have a, de- a denominational concept of God that they've been taught and they don't realize that he is a personal God. And he engages us uh, through his word, but he engages us. Uh, one of those verses that, that demonstrate that uh, would be, you know, one of the verses found in, in uh, Isaiah uh, chapter chapter 1, where it says this in verse 18, it says, come now, this is God speaking, he says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they should be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You know, he's a reasonable God, he wants you to come and, and converse with him and talk with him and, and allow him to show you some things maybe that you hadn't, uh, uh, you know, understood before. And so he's, he's a personal God that engages you. Um, I think of the first time that, that the nation of Israel had an encounter with God, you were there in, in Exodus chapter 20, but that's, that's always a revealing one to me, uh, there in the very first verse, uh, people don't realize that, you know, when they see the movie, the 10 commandments, they don't, they see God speaking to Moses, you know, Charlton Heston up there on the Mount, but that's not how it happened. Uh, take a look at there in verse one in Exodus chapter one, 20, and it says, and God spake all these words saying, and then he goes through the 10 commandments and he speaks it to the people. And you know that's the truth, because take a look at verse 19. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. 
but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. In other words, the reason why God kind of says this, don't be afraid, I've come to scare you so that you don't sin. <laughs> That's kind of what, what he's saying there. And, and he's getting this idea across that God is a supernatural being, a spiritual being, something that someone that you shouldn't trifle with, but yet he wanted to introduce himself to the nation of Israel so that they would realize that the rules and the laws that he just gave, he's serious about them and didn't want them to break them. And he wanted them. I find it interesting that Moses says, fear not. <laughs> and then he then he says, God's come to, to, uh, to scare you or put the fear of you, uh, of himself in, in them. And, uh, thought that was really, really, uh, uh interesting, uh, how God manifested himself to the nation of Israel. And then one last thing, if I can, you were there in, in, uh, first uh, John, uh, chapter five. And, uh, you know, when you're talking about, uh, the identity of who God is, how he manifests himself to man, um, when he came to this earth, obviously, you know, he, uh, great is the mystery of godliness, God manifests in the flesh. But in first John chapter five and verse 20, it says this, and we know that the son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him. That is true. And that's exactly what you were talking about. Who is God that we could know him. That is true. And we are in him. That is true. Even in his son, Jesus Christ, notice this, this is the true God and eternal life. So when you want to know who God is, it's Jesus Christ. He is the true God, and he came so that you could know who he is and know that he's true. So uh, it's, it's an amazing book that we have in front of us. People make it harder than it is, and the reason why they make it harder is because they don't read it. They They only... You know, you were talking about people that um, make a God of their own choosing. Uh, They hear different things from different people. There might be a preacher on TV or radio. They pick up something, like you said, uh, that smorgasbord type of a thing where they pick and choose some of the things they like. But God has revealed himself in his word, and we can know him, and uh, we can have a personal relationship with him. And we can speak to him in a way that he can let us know through his word what he wants and uh, how to please him. So uh, good study and appreciate those reminders and things. Like I said, it just kind of brought some of these other verses to mind as you were uh, giving some of the verses that you had in your study. So praise the Lord. Yes. Amen. And continuing to speak to that idea of people basically creating their own idea of God. I'm reminded of Romans uh, 123, where it talks about uh, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. You know, in the beginning, God created man in his own image. And today, man is creating God in his own image. They're trying to fashion their own God according to their understanding. When God says anything distasteful or people suggest that... um, the Bible is true and, and they come across those distasteful things, then they're ready to rewrite the Bible, make their own holy book. You know, people say this, they'll say, well, in my book, and then they'll go off and give some philosophy. Why do they say in my book? 
<laughs> because somebody's got a book out there that uh, we all got to live by. And make no mistake about it, when we stand before the judgment, if I could say it this way, and I will, uh, God's going to throw the book at you, <laughs> like they talk about in court. And that book's going to be his word. And the men are, man's going to be judged by uh, the books, the things that were written in the books. At the judgment, it says in Revelation 20, the books were open. And it's kind of interesting, too. You think about following that through about man you know, creating his own image of God. Uh, in uh, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and other 12-step programs, they tell you, you know, one of the things you need to do is believe in a higher power. Mm-hmm. They say your higher power could be uh, different, you know, than somebody else's higher power. And and it seems like invariably when they begin to give examples, they will say, you know, uh, you know, your higher power might be a rock or a light bulb. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting they would choose those two things. Because mm-hmm. Jesus Christ is both of those things. First Corinthians mm-hmm. ten four says, and that rock was Christ. And in John eight twelve, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Amen. So it's all kind of tracing back where it's supposed to go. And there is there's enough evidence out there to first show you there is a God and and get you interested in who he is. Uh, take um the declaration of Psalm nineteen one, for example, the heavens declare the glory of God. Um, Brother Matt was talking, I think it was in Acts 17, where they had that altar to the unknown God. And Paul says, him, you know, declare we unto you. And the preachers declare it. Um, the Bible declares it. And the heavens, the creation declares the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. And there's enough out there to pique your curiosity and get you thinking, there's got to be something out there that's a lot bigger than me. Man. And people just... They want to believe what they want to believe. And certainly because of free will, you can do that. They're always talking about, well, you know, I just can't see that in my heart or I got to follow my heart or my heart tells me this. I'm going to tell you something about the heart, Proverbs 28, 26, and, and your relationship to it. The Bible warns, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. And to walk wisely, you got to walk according to uh, the word of God as uh, Brother Matt has been uh, exhorting you. And give you one last thought from Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Um, This is not an original thought for me. Uh, This is the Lord's declarations. Here's what he says. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Uh, who is God? Uh, that's Him right there. Yep. You can find Him all throughout the book. You can find His uh, fingerprints in creation as well. And if you have any doubts about it, call out. Call out to that being. I say, if you are real, Lord, show me. If there is a God, help me. But you know, it's a matter of the heart, and your heart does have got does have to be willing to know what the Lord to, to know the Lord to know the truth and to embrace it when you find it. Else, you know, uh, you wind up being deceived. And and if a man wants to be deceived bad enough, the Lord will let him be deceived, even though he Amen. beckons, even though he calls, even though he uh, sends preachers and witnesses because he cares about you. He wants you to want to know the truth. He wants you to want to know him. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. 
good stuff. In a church the yesterday, Pastor Werner was studying the book of Revelation, and one of the things that he said was, <clears throat> you know, there there's a lot of folks that don't like Christianity. There's there's countries that don't like Christianity, that they've outlawed the Bible, and they've, you know, you can be put to death for converting to to being a Christian. And he said, you know, one day the church is going to be gone, and you're going to wish that we were still here. <laughs> you're going to wish you had Christ because one day, and you know, there's a coming a time where the tribulation is coming and it's not going to be a, a good time. So yes, as, the, as the Bible says, you know, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't put it off. No. Receive Jesus Christ as your savior. Now's, now's Amen. the time. Amen. Well, guys, thanks again. Amen. Amen. So we'll get together in a couple of weeks or so after we uh, reconvene, and I think we'll check with Joel and see if he's ready to bring part two of his series. Part one was God or Goo, which I enjoyed. Yeah, that was good. Not to be a spoiler, but if you missed that episode, the answer is God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so just join us for episode two then with uh, <laughs> uh, good stuff. And uh, I know you mentioned some of these other podcasts that that um, relate to what we talked about today, and, and some of them were number 56 is the Theistic Evolution Biblical, number 20 was Jesus Christ Really God, number 42, Is There Any Proof of God? Number 39, Prophecy Secures Our Future, Number 12, does the Bible out science science? So if you want some more information um, on who God is and what God's all about, there's some episodes there you can take a look at. And then Lord willing, we'll be back to bring you some more. All right, guys. Check with you next time. Bible really be more advanced than modern science? Are there scientific discoveries that were found in the Bible centuries before? Are there yet other discoveries that the Bible already has revealed but modern science has yet to discover? Can the King James Bible really be more accurate than modern science? Find out the answers to these questions and discover some startling truths in episode number 12, Does the Bible Out Science, Science?
Only on fatsinthebible.com.